Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it is a full power hour, even more than an hour, of your listener questions. We go straight to the speak pipe voicemail pipeline and we get all of your incredible questions. They could be about the NFL draft, they could be about your NFL team, some head coach openings, even we're getting one in there about food as well. You know we couldn't have a full show without debating a little bit of food. It's going to get wacky. It's going to get fun. There's a ton of questions to get to and a lot of really great pondering questions as well. We're, we've got we've to utilize some brain power on some of these, which I'm very excited for you guys to hear the answers to. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys for the final time this week, a Thursday edition of the podcast. It's a very special edition of the podcast because it is a mailbag episode, fan fan filled episode, whatever you want to call it. We are playing y'all's speak pipe voicemails the entire show. That's it. It's the entire show. It's focused around you guys. We're trying to show you as much love as possible, not just because it's the holiday season, but because we love you guys. And we felt like it was a good time to give you a full dedication of an episode. Connor, that means that, buddy, we have no idea what's about to happen. We don't know. We don't know what the questions are going to be. We don't know who's going to call into the show. We don't know anything like that, but the suspense is kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. I love it. These voicemails are awesome. We appreciate everybody that's been sending them. It's a good time to... We always talk about what we want to talk about. So this third show of the week is a good time to hear what everybody that's listening to the show actually wants to hear about, man. So and we get we get a little off the rails once in a while with these. And I think some people like that. So I'm excited. No, it's going to be a good time. Now, just so you guys know, it's not like we're, we're playing these absolutely blind. Our producer Stone goes through them and he sends us the good ones. He sends us the ones that he thinks are going to make yeah. for great conversations and great questions. So uh, it's not like uh, we, we could play a voicemail and it's just going to be two minutes of somebody screaming into the microphone. Like, yeah, surprise porn noises, things that can go really bad, like really, really bad. These are vetted for those reasons. So uh, look, I know that, you know, I know that people listening to the show call themselves sex addicts, but yeah. come on, I mean, we got to oh, so put far. up a barrier somehow, yeah. you know? <laughs> All right, do you want to do the same thing that we did? We'll get right to it, man. Do you want to do the same thing we did last time where you play it on your phone so we can we can hear which yes. one uh, we're going with? You want to go with that? Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know the order of these, but it'll make it that much more fun. We're uh, just no, gonna, it's fine. We're just kind of fire off. Um, we're going to fire at the hip, so here okay. we go. Let's do it. Start with, we'll start with the fun one. Make sure cool. the volume's all the way up. What is up, y'all? This is Dakota from Alabama. I love the show. Big fan. And shout out to Speak Pie for letting uh, the fans get their voices on here. But quick question. I know in the draft, everyone talks about the teams and what they need to do uh, because they're the ones who hold the cards. They make the calls. But my question is, what should the top two quarterbacks be rooting for realistically? What are the best landing spots for them as players? Uh, would it be like for Bryce Young to go somewhere uh, with weapons like um, the Raiders would it be, you know, something like the Panthers where they can build from the ground up with the new coaching staff? I don't know, but let me know y'all's thoughts. Appreciate y'all. Love the pod and enjoy the rest of y'all's day. There we go. Shout out to Coda getting on what the show. Awesome voicemail. Starting us off. We have no, that's a that this is a fantastic question. This is it a great is. one to kick it, it off. So the top two quarterbacks, I mean, Dakota kind of set it up very well. We talk about it all the time. Which one of these teams is going to be gunning for one of these players? But it is funny 
the best players in a draft class often go to the worst teams. Now, sometimes you get a mix where the chemistry is just right. A player falls just enough. A team that's good, just bad enough the year before to where a good player gets to end up going to a good team and there could be a quick turnaround. But it doesn't often happen like that. So, Connor, realistically, let's stay realistic here. What are some landing spots with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud? I figure most of the answers are going to be the same for both of them because they're quarterbacks and they'd like to go to the same spot. But uh, I'm curious what you think the number one team, number two team, kind of a power ranking of orders of operation here you'd go with with team choices. So I actually do have differing answers for them. That's great. Good. Let's hear it. Yeah. I think I would... If I'm Bryce Young, and mm-hmm. once again, everyone, we're keeping this realistic. So I'm not, I'm not sending, I, I'm not sending Bryce Young to a team that's going to be in the playoffs and can upgrade at quarterback. We're not happening. Like Bryce Young's not going to the Giants. I'm sorry, Giants fans. So, oh, Bre- loophole. Bryce Young to the Eagles because they got a yeah. they got the fourth overall pick. <laughs> yeah, two quarterback system. Jalen Hurts and Bryce Young. Listen, I think for Bryce Young, I like the Raiders because Devontae Adams is there. I know now the reason I picked Bryce Young to the Raiders and not CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud is more of a traditional pocket passer than Bryce Young. And I think the Raiders offensive line is not in the best shape. Um, Now I know Houston is not a all pro line, but Tunzel's really, really good. They expect Kenyon green to take big steps. They expect that unit to come together where I look at Bryce Young and think he he's mobile enough, obviously, to you know give Vegas something they don't have while throwing to Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, if Darren Waller can get healthy. They have talent at skill spots. The talent is there. And then I look at Stroud and I think Houston Trevor because I do think they have a better chance of keeping him upright in the pocket. Brandon Cooks is there. You know, Nico Collins, maybe you you have might have another top 10 pick. Maybe you get another weapon. If that other top 10 pick falls to the towards the back end of round one or later round one, maybe Bijan Robinson and Damian Pierce. I, that's a little crazy because Pierce is so good, but Bijan's the pass catcher and you could, I don't know. There's, I'm just getting nuts here. But I just think I, I look at it like that and go, I, I like those two spots better than Carolina right now. Maybe that's, I don't know. Maybe that's a little bold, but that's how I look at it for them. I, I don't mind Bryce going to the Raiders because Devonte is there. They didn't move Waller at the deadline. Um, I like Hunter Renfro as well, right? And so you've got guys to throw to. The offensive line is not great. So if if any of them are going to go to Las Vegas, I'd certainly I agree with you. I'd rather have it be Bryce Young because he's the more mobile. But e- even Bryce, like Bryce, isn't like a Justin Fields or anything like that. No, no. I, I, I wouldn't even call him a Jalen Hurts. Even he's he's got escapability but he's not like a mobile quarterback. So I feel like either of these guys probably struggling behind the Raiders offensive line right now, even for as good as the offensive weapons are, you know, the, the easy answer that you could stretch to say is still realistic. I think is the Detroit lions, right? Because the lions are one of the, one of the better offensive lines in the NFL right now. No doubt. You've got Amon Ross St. Brown. You've got Jamison Williams coming back. Hopefully they're going to add another wide receiver as well. You've got good running backs in the backfield. So obviously the defense isn't very good, but we're not talking about like total team building, making the playoffs, winning a Super Bowl. We're just talking which place the quarterbacks would rather go. So I think the Lions is probably the easiest answer. I also don't hate Carolina, man. Carolina, now who they're going to get as head coach, I think probably goes a long way into this, but 
the offensive line's been playing better. It's not Icky nearly looks as great. abysmal. Right. Icky looks great. And I think even the interior guys have played well and graded pretty well in our system as well. So it's a lot better than what it looked like last year. And so I know DJ Moore is probably the only guy on offense that you're really hanging your hat on. So it's kind of tough, but I, I'd put Carolina even a step above Houston, I think, right now with having DJ Moore and with having that offensive line the way that it is. Laramie Tunch is obviously fantastic, but I don't know how much I trust Kenny Green. I don't know how successful Kenny Green's going to be. I know he's taking his lumps in his rookie year, but I don't want to judge him too hard. I know Brandon Cooks is kind of pissed right now, so he might want out. I, I think I'd put Carolina ahead of uh, ahead of Houston if these guys had their pick, especially if a new head coach is coming in there that they that they might like and have a little bit more stability with. So my two answers would would be either the Detroit Lions or the Carolina Panthers. Probably I'd have Houston third for the Raiders. I know I know their receiver grew so good, but that offensive line stinks, man. Yeah, that offensive line to, just stinks. They'd have to do some work in free agency. You know, for McDaniel's flaws as a head coach, I think he can mentor a young quarterback as we saw him do with Mac Jones before. And I didn't think of the Lions because if you count that they could package their two picks to go up, they are very realistic. So that's a great call by you. And they would be landing spot number one for me. With Jamison coming back, all the skill, talent, two running backs, a great line. The Lions are the, the premium spot. They just have to get up there. And I think the Lions are going to win a couple more games. So it's going to be really interesting. Bryson Jamison back at it again love in it. the NFL. Be you awesome. would absolutely love to see something like that. By the way, you brought up the Raiders. And I just want to say, there was a report that came out yesterday. You sent me the tweet. Maybe it was today. You sent me the tweet. Raiders probably aren't going to move on from Josh McDaniels because no. they financially can't do it. And that was a spot on point by you yesterday, Thanks, yesterday on the podcast, because you said this exact thing. You're like, they're already paying Gruden because they settled with, with a, with a, um, with a payment settlement when they got rid of him. If you fire Josh McDaniels, head coach contracts are guaranteed. You still got to pay him no matter what. And then you got to pay another coach millions of dollars a year. Josh McDaniels is going to get yeah. a fair shake at this thing, whether he deserves it or not, because he's going to get a little bit of time here because he can't afford to fire him, which is very interesting. And it's his GM. So you also might have to fire the GM and then you're paying, you're just paying a million different people and they're, they're not going to do that. So it's, Raiders fans, we uh, all that to say, we might get to a fix your franchise you. episode a little bit sooner than we thought it was going to be. So we owe you that episode. All right. You ready for a fun one? Yeah, let's do the next one. What do we got next? Let's see if it'll play. Okay. Hey, hey, guys. Uh, my name is Andrew, and, uh, and I'm a big fan of the pod. I just got to ask you guys, uh, what, 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 what holiday is the best food? Uh, Thanksgiving or 4th of July? And I'm a big fan. Thank you guys so much, and uh, let me know what you guys think. Ooh, Andrew's, Andrew's from New York or New Jersey. I could tell right away. Just the whole – that's how all my family members have talked my entire <laughs> life, and they're all from New York City, so – uh, you know, hey, uh, what's your uh, Thanksgiving food is your favorite food? Uh, you know, Look, love it, just, Andrew. Andrew, great stuff. I was going to say, to me, that just means that he's got good taste. He's got I, good I taste in food. I love it. I know that people in the Northeast uh, got great taste in food. So, yes, all right. He, he mentions, y'all love to eat and I love you for it. You're my, you're my own people. He mentions Thanksgiving and 4th of July. Is there a sneaky holiday in there that you would also put up with those two before we get into the debate of which one's better. 
Oh, Christmas Eve blows all of those holidays out of the water. Okay, I agree. <laughs> like it, la- it, la- it laps them. It just keeps running laps around so them. I, I wa- is that a big thing for everybody? Because my family, know. my family goes crazy for Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. Like we'll do, we'll do like some years we do like surf and turf. Like if they're if they got a sale on like crab, like Alaskan yep. king crab or something, we'll do some crab legs. We'll do a little bit of steak. Um, obviously like you got all the size we go all out for Christmas Eve. So you telling me that you also do that for Christmas Eve. Absolutely. Is it, it I'm, I, I want to hear from the people as well. Is this a common thing? Cause if it is, it's, that's Christmas Eve to me. It's gotta be Christmas Eve. The, well, the thing is too, uh, in our lovely diverse country, plenty of people don't celebrate Christmas. This is so it's true. true. Um, like I know all my Jewish friends are like, yeah, I order Chinese food on on christmas eve which christmas, is also balling which is great to hear it. makes it a great day so i think that maybe that's why it's not as popular but hmm. i'm sure. sure people that do celebrate christmas eve align with us i think i would think so uh the seven fishes is very popular to do on christmas eve so hmm. that's up there um I, and Trevor, yeah, my family's similar to to yours. We always try to do some kind of surf and turf combination, right? But you know, then also one side of my family does the seven fishes. My girlfriend's family does the seven fishes. But so we'll keep it to Thanksgiving and Fourth of July head to head battle here because yeah, they're they're better? they're tra- they're battling for runner up. I don't know if Fourth of July food is better, but I like I like Fourth of July mm. typically a lot better than thanksgiving and i know that's like that's hot take like everybody loves thanksgiving everyone's like football's on and like all this like everybody says that to me every time i, I say love that how oh, that's the voice anytime we talk about anybody who's like football's football. on like like <laughs> everybody says that to me when i'm like I, I can really take or leave thanksgiving it's a fine holiday i feel like i'm always it's always sandwiched between a ton of work days and uh i mean turkey is a very very subpar meat my god turkey is turkey is very low on the the quality of meats in terms of taste and everything so i mean maybe i don't know am i getting carried away here i like turkey i, I think I, I, I like it i also i also think I'd be, i also think i'd be taking thanksgiving i think i'd be taking thanksgiving maybe it's nostalgia for me though because i have a pretty big is it is immediate family is that uncles aunts and cousins too would that be immediate family or is an immediate family only like mom dad sisters i think your immediate family is like your parents and your siblings okay that's what that's what i thought extended family is the whole extended family there we go so i have a very big extended family i have a lot of aunts and uncles i have a lot of cousins so we get together at least twice sometimes three times a year sometimes a lot of us can make it for easter as well and we always like to get together for that if we can but because I have such a big extended family and because Thanksgiving is such like a family event, maybe that's why I like Thanksgiving a little bit better because my mom is also a wonderful cook. I'm not just saying that because she's my mother. So we we ball out for Thanksgiving. Like Thanksgiving is a massive meal for us. It's, it's tough though because the 4th of July vibes are always that, so that's- high. They're always high. so high, you know, like whether you're on a beach, whether you're on a boat, whether you're at a pool or whether you're just at somebody's house, throwing a bunch of cold ones back, slamming hamburgers and mm-hmm. hot dogs, whatever it is like my well, vote for this. We're, is things, we're not we, we don't we don't work that time of year. Oh, of course. Yeah, I am. Dude, We're doing like NFL street drafts on the podcast. <laughs> like, like. We're not doing anything besides watching college prospects here and there. 
So hey, Thanksgiving, Mark. it's like, yeah, it's a good day, but it's true. We're That's biased. True. That's but not I, true. Yeah. The sides are bomb on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving sides are absolutely bomb. There's no denying that. I'm a I'm a Thanksgiving guy. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Thanksgiving. You're going with you're going yeah. 4th of July. I'm gonna take 4th of July. There's nothing I'm, like the there's beach. there's no doubt about it. I'm more buzzed for 4th of July than mm. I am for, for yes. Thanksgiving anyway. So absolutely. Yeah. Now Christmas Eve. Oh, buddy, Christmas Eve, I think, once again, Christmas Eve's the goat. It's like that meme back. of that guy yelling that he's the goat. He's the goat. That's, why, that's one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> that's yeah, so that's good. Christmas I won't Eve. even I won't even imitate it to not ruin it. Do you, do, wait, do you have a do you have a favorite? You said that the Thanksgiving sides are bomb. Do you have a a favorite that you like either like mashed oh. potatoes or like some sort of salad or like uh people like like cranberry sauce or I, sweet I potato am, casserole like all that kinds of stuff i like cranberry sauce mashed potatoes are probably the just the classic mashed potatoes and gravy that's hard to beat that i've also recently become a fan of the uh sweet potatoes with marshmallow over it yeah, like cinnamon yeah, yeah. that's a sneaky one you don't yeah. hear a lot of love for that i i've really grown to like that the last couple of years yeah. I know a lot of people will put mac and cheese up there and um, stuffing. Something's oh. okay. It's okay. Dude, I love stuffing. It's okay. Oh, man. I don't, so, I don't, know, what, I don't know what about it. I, I would not order or really eat stuffing any other day. Any, any other day of the year. On Thanksgiving, yep. I'll eat three goddamn pounds of it. Yep. Like, you just like throw some gravy on that bad boy, a little Italian sausage. I can't wait for next week already. Now I'm yeah, just, you, you now got I'm me getting, excited. I'm just I don't even hungry. love Thanksgiving like that. And I'm, I don't know. I like th- Thanksgiving Eve. I don't know how you, like you guys do it. For us, it's a little bit of a scramble. Thanksgiving Eve, my parents throw a party in their neighborhood. So we oh. go down for that. We do the party. And then we wake up that morning and head to uh, my girlfriend's family on Long Island, which is pretty okay. good, pretty good trip. And we do like the actual Thanksgiving. Nice. So nice. It's a little bit cool. of a sprint, but it's fun. All right, I'm Thanksgiving. Connor is Fourth of July. Y'all let us know as well which one you are. You team Thanksgiving. You team. I'm gonna get slaughtered. Slaughtered on that one. Well, I I also want to hear what people do for Christmas Eve too. So let us know about that as well. All right, what's the next one? What do we got? Firing away. Hi, I'm Lewis. I'm 20 from Boston. Huge fan. Um, I have a question about Bill Belichick, the GM. But first, Mm. how scared are you guys as Rangers and Lightning fans of my Bruins? They look pretty good this year. There's a lot of factors like McDaniel's leaving and uh, overpaying for the tight ends. But I think they made three inexcusable draft picks that are the main reason why they're going to be around 500 despite being coached by Bill Belichick and having a great defense. And it's the Sony Michelle pick. How do you not take Nick Chubb or like Lamar or just like a non-running back in that spot? I don't know. It's it's I don't know. I don't get it. Uh this year like Taekwon over Pickens. I mean, I like I'm not going to even complain about the strange pick. I think he's pretty good, but I don't know about that one. And then the most egregious one is just how do you not take Debo? Freaking DK AJ Brown. I know no one would have taken McLaurin in that spot, but Nikhil Harry, oh my goodness. I don't know why they can't evaluate skill positions i don't know if you guys have a better answer um but yeah my uh my man brought the slaughter on i love that what a call what a call a lot of good points what do you what do you what do you think about this what do you what do you think about this question with uh with belichick being a gm and um 
his failures there versus how much we respect him as a football coach. What do you think? Hindsight's dangerous, but what I can say is I can't remember the Chubb year. The only thing I can tell you about the Chubb year is I remember I got dinner with a uh, with an executive after that giraffe, like a couple of days after. And one of the we most it. shocking we get it. things. We get it. You talk to people. We yeah, get it. I have friends. I have friends that do things. Uh, the most shocking thing in the, in the entire dinner was that the medicals on Nick Chubb were so much better than Sony Michelle in that mm-hmm. tra- And I was like, what? Remember Chubb had the knee and everybody was like, oh, is he ever going to play again? And I was like, oh, that's an interesting situation. That's the only one I have about that. I don't remember rankings. And the Nikhil Harry one, absolutely. Like, I remember in that draft, and I want to pull up how the order of receivers went. I know for a fact I had DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown ranked over Nikhil Harry in that draft. And I, I, remember DK, when it, I had DK wide receiver one, so I know too. I had him. Me I too. I and I think I had A.J. Brown wide receiver two. I had J.J. Arthago Whiteside wide receiver two. I probably had him <laughs> up there. Food. I probably had him up there too, no doubt. Not great. For I'm looking boy. for that draft right now. Was it 2019? Yeah, it was 2019. Yep. So it went Hollywood Brown, Nikhil Harry, Debo, AJ Brown, Miko Hardman, JJ Ortega Whiteside, Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, DK Metcalf. Freaking wild. I think I had. That's how I had them ranked. That's how they went. No, I know. I'm just trying to. Let me pull up 2019. Because this one was. I, I, I got a massive win in having DK up very high. But I believe this was the draft that I also had Arthega Whiteside as wide receiver two. And <sighs> did I have Hakeem Butler as wide receiver three in this class? I might have had him as, as wide receiver three and then AJ and then Debo. And then I think right after that, I also had Kelvin Harmon. So like I was all over the place. On I was this high draft. on Harmon. I was high on Harmon. Yeah, I thought Harmon was going to work, man. I looked at exactly he, he was he was just a big body possession contested catch wide receiver, and I'm like, this is what he is, cool. Like draft him to be exactly that. He was exactly that at NC State, and yeah, it just injuries kind of sucked for that one. I'll say this about Belichick, the GM. Obviously, he's had some blunders, but you know we talked about this on yesterday's podcast too. What GM hasn't right? There's there's not really a GM that exists that's been around for a decent amount of time that hasn't had misses. That just comes with the job. Now for Belichick, look, I, I'm sitting here in a computer chair recording a football podcast. Belichick's going to forget more about football in the time that we have hit record than I will ever know about football because he is the goat head coach of all time, I believe. But when it comes to general manager work, I always felt like the Patriots were too streamlined on like one exact thing about a player. Now you yep. don't want to draft the guy and not have a plan about him. You want to be able to see what he does well, what he doesn't. You want to be honest with it. You want to see where that fits into your roster. And that's how you want to build your team. But for example, the Sony Michelle pick. Yeah. Medicals, I think went into it, but like Nick Chubb was the better running back than Sony Michelle was. I even loved Sony Michelle and I was wrong to think that they were in the same category. Like these guys, if if you just go back and hindsight is like you said, it's a dangerous game, but it should have been obvious. Just pick Nick Chubb, right? Like even after the injuries and stuff. So when you look at what the Patriots, that was the 2018 NFL draft. The leading rusher of that team in 2017, the year prior was Dion Lewis. Okay. They already had a billion running backs on that team. 
They had Mike Gillisley. They had James White. They had Rex Burkhead. They had Brandon Bolden. They had a bunch of other running backs, but they just lost Deion Lewis to the Titans. He signed with the Titans in free agency. So they just wanted to replace Deion Lewis. And what back resembled Deion Lewis in this NFL draft? Sony Michelle to a T. And it was just like that. They just, they had the blinders on. They're like, we're going to pick this guy and he's going to replace Deion Lewis. When you look at the Nikhil Harry pick, Nikhil Harry was what coming out of school? He was a contested catch sideline receiver. Okay. This was the Patriots wide receiver room before they drafted Nikhil Harry. Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett, Bruce Ellington. They needed a possession X big bodied contested catch wide receiver. And they just streamlined on it. And they looked at AJ Brown. They looked at DK Metcalf. They looked at all these other guys and they're like, nope, we want this guy. Cause this is the exact trait that we are drafting. So Belichick has often drafted just like traits, like, like singular traits. I feel like for a lot of these players over the years. And again, it's not the worst thing in the world. You want to have a plan for these guys. But sometimes you just got to pick the better overall player. And I do think there are a handful of times in which Belichick and this New England staff has um, shortened their big board, if they're, if you will, a little too much. Who am I to criticize the GOAT? I know. I'm just a nobody. But that's just my outside opinion when I look at Belichick as a GM. Nobody's Teflon. I mean, honestly, I just... Yeah, when you look at it like that, he's he's missed. He's made the job harder on himself, which makes it that much more impressive that they kind of wiggle their way out of it, it feels like, when they have those misses. But the Nikhil Harry one's a really good call. I was trying to find out what I gave that, the Nikhil Harry pick. I pulled up our draft show on YouTube, and I don't remember, but one of these days I'll find it. Um, was it the screenshot of you holding up the A with you with the with the no. arm guns, just like absolutely flexing on everybody? Definitely not. Uh, I was not that high on the kill Harry, and I remember being a little surprised. No, I, was, I wasn't either that year, but I am curious. Anyway, yeah, I think that this year's draft was kind of the pinnacle, right? Like Tyquan Thornton maybe has been has played better when he's played or going back to summer than a lot of draft experts expected but that's not the debate the debate is exactly what our fine voicemailer had to say that george pickens was there there was a lot of talent there and well george pickens i think people were worried about some character things oh, about yeah, him for sure. georgia so i'm sure that that took him off the patriots board I, I i don't i don't know exactly what it was that was just kind of what we heard pre-draft is that some teams weren't as hot on George Pickens because of um, just, it might've been like personality concerns or whatever it was. That's kind of what I heard there. So I wonder if that probably went into it for the Patriots as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, But he's a stud. It's a good wide receiver. You were were all on that one, man. Oh, I think I found it, but you're going to have to, uh, we have to do the old, you got to keep talking while, while it waits to load. I I don't know why I'm so invested in this right now. Is this, is this the same? Is this the same question, or am I tap dancing onto something else? You know, no, what are we, yeah, what are we, we can, doing? We can here? play another question. I'll find the Nikhil Harry grade at some point of the okay. show. Oh, okay, I, so I, I can do roast myself, or maybe not. All right, let's do it, Trev. Here we go. Shout out Lewis on that last question, but Lewis, okay. good stuff. And uh, also, I I hate the Bruins, but they're really good. Oh, I'm hey guys, this is Noah Bruins, from dude. Michigan. Big fan of your guys' show. My best friend and I listen to it all the time. I'm unfortunately a Bears fan, and. I really feel like thus far our organization has failed Justin Fields. And 
we need obvious like obviously we need wide receiver and we need offensive line. Um, but when I look at this upcoming free agent class, the Bears have a ton of money, but I just don't see the talent at the wide receiver position that they can really spend on and that you can feel good about. And the mindset that I started to adapt is going anywhere but wide receiver in the first round would seem almost like a failure to me. I get that, you know, where they're sitting right now around 12. Johnston might go before, and it might be too early for anybody like Addison or Smith and Jigba or any of those guys. Um, Just curious about your guys' thoughts on that and what you ultimately think the Bears really need to focus on. Connor, you want to go first or me? I think it's a very fair point. Um, I think that they they need playmakers, and his analysis of the... Here's my thing with the Bears, and maybe why I was very harsh on the Claypool trade. The wide receiver market, whenever it looks bad in free agency... It, it obviously that means it's bad in free agency, but you're not counting cuts and trades, right? Like the Browns trading for Amari Cooper last off season. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, Oh, well Dallas really cut him. What? And then the reports were Dallas would have cut him if they didn't find a taker like the Browns. And that's why the return was so low. There's going to be a player or two like that for the bears. But did you already use your bullet? Like was the chase Claypool trade that bullet now? Where if you, and and maybe they have so much cap space, that might not matter. It might just be more draft pick related that you could still trade for a premium wide receiver. Knowing that that plan is potentially on the table, I like this tackle class a lot. It's grown on me so much in two months. I was projecting Broderick very highly when we did summer scouting and and Paris, but I didn't know Olu Fashanu would look like this. Skaronsky's been really good. Yeah. It's just a it's a really good group. I look at the Bears and go, man, my number one priority would be get the receiver thing done before the draft in a market we can't predict right now. It'll ha- it'll organically develop like it always does. And mm-hmm. then go into the draft having a little bit more flexibility to get a premium offensive lineman. Uh but I but I think I think it was a really good point where it's, you know, you're just so desperate for wide receivers. You're like, I don't care. Let, let's get one that will help. I get that. Yeah, I mean, to Noah's point, the 2023 wide receiver free agency class is bad. And I think it's it's hard for GMs to make moves and predict things off of what they can't control, right? Because I do, I do think that I, I hear you and I don't disagree with you that it feels like some wide receiver somewhere is probably going to be available one way or another. Like, for example, Brandon Cooks. Clearly disgruntled at Houston. Brandon yeah. Cooks a, a a good receiver. Like you probably could get Brandon Cooks. Now, what are you going to get for him in the offseason? What's the price tag? Who knows? But it's kind of situations like that. You know, Calvin Ridley would would have been another one. I think that a lot of people would have had conversations about during the offseason. And he wasn't a, a guy many were talking about before the Jags made the deal at the deadline. But we've already kind of highlighted the 2023 free agency class. Juju's on there. Um Alan Lazard, Julio Jones, Marvin Jones, Sterling Shepard, DJ Chark, Nelson Aguilar, Nikhil Harry, uh, AJ Green, Marquise Goodwin, Miko Hardman, uh, James Washington, maybe. So it's 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 a lot of guys who they're depth players. They're like potential wide receiver twos, probably more like wide receiver threes. 
The problem is that Chicago has those guys, right? You, you probably want Claypool to be your wide receiver three. You want Darnell Moody to be your wide receiver two. Yep. And you would love to get a stud wide receiver one along with them. Not to say like that's always going to be the pecking order, but you guys know what I'm talking about. I, I, just going back to what Noah said, it's I can't I don't think you can look at it like if they pick offensive linemen, it's a failure. Because this offensive line class is just too good. And you don't want to get in the you don't want to get into the spot where you feel like you have to make a draft pick and you have to not select somebody who's more talented, who could really help you out, especially when that is one of the four pillar positions of the game, which I would call quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, and shutdown corner. Those are the four pillar positions that I always kind of go by. If you are passing over one of those positions and a really good player at one of those positions for a need that you weren't able to address, that's a lose-lose. That's a double negative to me. So I I think you got to be all right with them continuing to invest in the offensive line. That helps Justin Fields out as well. Sure. I mean, the run game has protected him as of late, but you obviously do want a weapon that can help him as well. So to be continued, I, I promise you this, we are going to talk so much about the Bears on this show for the draft. So much about the Bears. So it's your little appetizer. All right, before we get to more of your listener voicemails, got to talk to you about our new sponsor, BroThrow. Have you guys ever bet on sports with your friends? Well, BroThrow is the only sports betting platform that lets you directly bet with friends in all 50 states. No fees, no juice, no middleman. BroThrow is not a sports book, and not paying juice saves you a ton of money over time. BroThrow is a social platform. You can take control of who you bet with, know who's on the other side of every single bet you create or accept. You can easily create and accept bets, easily track your profits, payments, and always see the value of your bets, too. You don't have to deposit money into a BroThrow account, nothing like that. Betters pay each other straight directly. You connect your Venmo, your Cash App, PayPal, Skrill, Strike, whatever. Betting on betting $11 to win 10 stinks, okay? With BroThrow, you bet 10, you win 10. It's as easy as that. Throw out your first bet. Go to BroThrow.com backslash stock. Use the promo S-T-O-C-K. BroThrow is free to sign up. You can cut out the middleman and start betting on BroThrow. That's BroThrow.com backslash stock. Stock. You guys have also heard me talk about them before, but another one of our sponsors, Symbol, has their best offer yet for new users. Symbol is offering a $500 risk-free deposit for new users who join the stock market for sports. When you sign up with the promo code NFLSE, your first deposit comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you were hesitant on joining or simply just haven't yet, now you can with a risk-free deposit. As a reminder, Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. Symbol is a peer-to-peer market that took the thrill of sports betting and turned it into a stock market format to give fans an easy way to speculate and get some extra cash on their pro and college teams. Now you can join with a $500 money-back guarantee. Download the Symbol app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store. Use the promo code NFLSC to really help out the podcast and get your free risk free sorry risk free deposit up to $500 whether you want to invest in an up and coming team like could be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you know sitting there 5 of 5 little Tom Brady up and coming or the top dogs of course in the Philadelphia Eagles Minnesota Vikings or Kansas City Chiefs symbol allows you to buy and sell teams like stocks to profit off of your sports knowledge Finally, No House Advantage. Our friends over at No House Advantage are changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy platform available today. You play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. Download the app. 
Choose a contest, select all your player props, and earn points for correct picks. Climb up that leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks right. You bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sporting league, the NFL, the NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and even NASCAR. Sign up with the promo code STOCK at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the App Store to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure you check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just about how you play, but where you play, and you won't want to miss out on this. All right, what's next? Hey, Trevor and Connor. It's Ethan again, big fan of the pod. With all the talks surrounding the four top 10 picks that are no longer with their original teams, I'm curious if the NFL would ever adopt a protected pick option for trades, similar to the model the NBA uses for their trades. In the NBA, when you're trading first-round picks, you can negotiate for protected pick status, where if your first-round pick ends up being higher than you expect, you retain that pick and the other team gets alternate compensation or picks in future years. There's a lot of differences between the NBA and the NFL. In the NBA, late-round picks tend to late first round picks tend to be much less valuable than they are in the NFL. Conversely, high end picks are more valuable in the NBA than in the NFL, generally speaking. Additionally, one player can make a much bigger difference on an NBA team than on an NFL team outside of the quarterback position. So I'm curious if that would be possible in the league, if that's something the league would consider and what that might look like. Very creative question. And yeah, something it. that um, I've never talked about before. And I, you know, obviously I'm a Knicks fan and I know I've seen plenty of protected pick trades. Uh, Trevor, I know you've researched a little before the show that there's nothing saying, right, that you can't do this in the NFL. This was this is one that I did want to get a little bit of extra detail on. Yeah. Stone told me about this one. But there is, as far as I know, now I didn't read every word of the collect the current collective bargaining agreement, but as far as I could find, there's nothing that says that this is not allowed. It's not like this is a rule where you can't trade anything protected. In fact, we're seeing teams get more and more creative with this, right? We're seeing conditional picks of like, oh, you know, a third or a fourth, depending on if you make the playoffs. Now with the Indianapolis Colts, we saw, okay, well, this becomes a second round pick if Carson Wentz plays 70% of the snaps, or it's a third round pick if he doesn't, or I, if I flip that, then I'm sorry. But we're just seeing GMs get more and more creative with how to get deals done. There is reason to believe that someday we will get a trade, and I don't think that there has ever been one to this point, that is protected, right? Because the way the protected trades work in the NBA is a lot of times there can be top three protected, top five protected, top 10, or even like a lottery pick is technically what teams go for. They don't really go any lower than the lottery. Lottery is about as low as you go. And essentially, for those who don't follow the NBA, what it means is when the lottery comes out at the end of the year, because remember, the NBA draft is settled by a lottery in the top 14 picks. I think it's 14. Um, Those are settled by lottery, not by, okay, this was your exact record. That means this is exactly where you're picking. There's kind of like a ping pong ball, fun way around it, just because, um, like Ethan said, top picks are so important in the NBA. So they don't want to incentivize complete tanking because they completely change the franchise around, even more so than a quarterback in the NFL. So if a pick lands within a protected range, essentially what happens is that the team then just gets 
next year's first round pick and it's unprotected. It doesn't matter where it falls. They will get next year's first round pick no matter what. To me, that could be where some trades might be going if they want to try to get a deal done. Like, for example, you know, you, you go to, let's go to just the Los Angeles Rams and the Carolina Panthers, right? A, a, couple, a couple of weeks ago, they could say to them, hey, we'll give you two first round picks and a second round pick for Brian Burns. But both of them are top 10 protected. So if, if we're in the top 10, you don't get those, you don't get the pick that year. We keep the pick that year. And instead, you get it the year after that. So it's not like Carolina doesn't get a first round pick. But it's a little bit more of a risk mitigation for the team offering maybe a higher compensation to protect their losses a little bit more, knowing that a first-round pick is getting moved no matter what. Carolina's not getting robbed of a first-round pick. We're just avoiding what is happening with the New Orleans Saints right now, where the Saints are a lot worse than they thought. And if their pick would have been, say, top five protected, then they would have been able to keep this year and Philly would have been able to get the first round pick the next year instead. So it's an extremely interesting concept. I don't think that it's I don't think that it's as prevalent in the NFL because again, the picks themselves within the top of the draft aren't like as franchise changing as it is in the NBA. There's 22 starters in the NFL. There's five starters in the NBA. You nail on a generational superstar, you're good for the next decade. You nail on a generational superstar in the NFL, you might be good for uh, three years, depending on whether it's a quarterback or not, right? So I think that it's a fascinating question. We've never seen it before. I don't believe we've seen it before. We have. But I, oh, we have. Do, is, is there one where we have it? I I found the one okay, example. Tell me, because I when, tried to find it. Yes, uh, and it was not first round protected. Here's how they could work it around in the NFL when the Chiefs got Alex Smith from the 49ers, did you mm-hmm. know this one? I don't I don't know if I did. They traded their second round choice for the 2013 NFL draft. Then there was another pick in 2014 at the time was a third. That third had conditional terms that was based on the Chiefs win total. The Chiefs if they won 8 games that year because they have Alex Smith now it moved up to a second round pick. So that's okay. So that's conditional, but it's not like draft pick spot. Right? Yes, but it's the way they would do it. The terms would be conditions based on wins or losses. So in a way, it's the same concept, but not. But I think they can, I still think a world exists where if we're talking first round pick, we can start getting into specific pick locations. Yes. That I don't think is done before. That I, I haven't seen that done. Before. I don't think that will ever be done because I think the team would hang up the phone when talking about that kind of leverage. All it takes is one, though. It does. You're right. You're absolutely. Look at the Deshaun Watson guaranteed contract and Lamar Jackson's trickle effect. Right. That has totally effed the NFL right now in a way that, hey, Lamar Jackson's right. Lamar Jackson's like, I'm an MVP. I do everything right off the field. Hmm. And... I'm just as good, if not better than that guy. Mm-hmm. Why do I not get that contract? And the Ravens are sitting there like, because that's the only idiots in the league that would ever do that. They were desperate. They were the most, de- they were the most thirsty team we have ever seen on a quarterback chase. But, but once it's out there now it's done. Right. Right. So that's, what I'm saying. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, look at, look at Houston. 
Look at Houston this past tra- this past trade deadline. Let's just say that Brandon Cooks was they were getting offers for like a second round pick for Brandon Cooks, right? A couple of teams are like, oh, we'll give you a second, we'll give you a second. And it's a handful of teams that get him a second. But Houston's like, no, 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 we want a first. What if one team called him up and was like, we'll give you a first for Brandon Cooks, but it's top 20 protected. So if we if 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 you end up picking 21, if we end up picking 21 through 32, you get the first round pick. But if not, then you get our first round pick a year from now because we know that they value it less than that anyways. Yep. So therefore, Houston gets right. what they want. They get a first round pick and that's the only team to have offered it because they're okay because they're mitigating the risk. I don't know, man. Here, I here's just, what it reminds feel me like of. It's possible. feel like it's possible. It reminds me of the NFL and the NHL have the same exact problem. RFAs exist right restricted free agents which Mm -hmm. are based on tenders Mm -hmm. teams always offer the tender of the value and they're there's a lot of good players here's what i remember i remember when shaq barrett i believe was an rfa of the broncos i was like Mm -hmm. man shaq barrett's really good somebody should sign him to a tender and i don't think anybody did and then ultimately he got to tampa and the rest was history after that restricted season happens in the nhl all the time where And there's very rare instances that teams, it's stealing, right? You offer a guy an offer sheet. You offer a guy like, hey, five years. It's stealing. (laughs) It's stealing. And you lace the contract like a poison pill. It's like five years, 35 mil. And they always do it so that team doesn't have the cap space to match it. And then it pisses everyone off. But nobody does it. Nobody does it. Nobody utilizes the RFA process to gain a competitive advantage. It's just like... The lack of creativity sometimes is jarring. It's jarring. Although Howie Roseman's doing a lot of things right now. The teams are probably saying, oh, Howie's going to get our shit together. Howie's going to get crazy. Howie's going to yeah. do it. Howie's going to do it. How, yeah. If Howie's listening, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. All right. All right what's, what's that next? was a good one. That was a great question. Great that question. Was, that, was that was a fun. really good one. I think we're getting it someday. What is up, Trevor and Connor? My name is Jonathan. I want to get that on the pod today. People talk all the time about coaches and, and how winning correlates to coaches. But I think winning a lot of times correlates to general manager. You know, does the general manager put the coach in, in a great spot, you know, looking to use Zach Taylor, or, or does it put it in, in a bad spot? Um, so, so the question today is very simple. Who is the best GM? with a losing record, and the worst GM with a winning record. Uh, thank you guys so much for, for all the cogent draft analysis you all do, and uh, look forward to hearing your answer. Big shout-out, Jonathan. Appreciate you getting on the pod, man. It was great. Definitely brought the heat. Questions Ooh. are truly phenomenal, and I'm who not just is, saying that. Who is the best GM with a losing record right now? Like for this season, right? Not in total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- yep. I th- that's That's how I looked at it. So uh, every team picking hmm. one through fifteen currently has a losing record. Which GM do I like the most? I feel like the easiest answer might be Omar Khan for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he's only been there for he yeah. hadn't been there that long as the GM. Yeah, right. So I feel like that's not really an answer. Oh man, this is tough. Who's the best GM on a bad team? A lot of people would pro, and I will not answer it this way, but a lot of people would probably say uh, Gutekunst for Green Bay. Probably, I think he's a very like polarizing figure. To be honest, though, I think we have to say him. Uh, Who else are you going to say? I'm trying to figure that out. It's not going. But that's 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 what I'm saying. I think he might be. 
he might be the guy that we have to go with. Oh, wow. Um, it's worse than I thought. Unless you really like Brad Austin. Holmes for no. Detroit. I think the Lions I mean, have, have just done okay in this rebuild. Yeah, I think that, I think the Lions have been fine. I know some Lion fans really don't like Brad Holmes, but I can't say that I've seen it under this is a brutal. microscope. I mean, I, uh, no, 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 no. No. There, there's, an, there's an easy answer here. It's way easier than I thought. Is it, is it less neat? No, it's Mickey Loomis. Mick... What? Brother, Mickey Loomis is Mickey, Mickey Loomis is high as a kite. This team is this team's in the worst cap space in the NFL. They mortgaged their future just to go up and get Chris Olave last That's year. That's bias, though. It's based. <laughs> they, Dude, they, I get it. But he's he's had excellent runs. The proof the is in Saints, the pudding. They did, they did obviously have a good run there when Sean Payne and Drew Brees were there. But holy mother of God, was he as even bad the last year and a half. Yes, he's had an awful, awful run. And Sean Payton leaving has opened up some plot holes. True. But by drafts, True. Mickey Loomis has had some killer drafts. Yes. I mean, killer drafts. He has. I, he, he's I, responsible for the greatest draft class of the last 20 years, probably, in the 2017 true? Saints. Oh, let's have some fun here. I got it right here. Okay, what is it? Let's hear it. In 2017, the Saints yeah. took Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchick, Marcus Williams, Alvin Kamara, Alex Anzalone, Trey Hendrickson, and Al-Qadine Muhammad. That was the draft class. That's a bonkers draft class. Very good draft class. Mickey it's like, Loomis. It's a great draft class. <laughs> I think Boy, I look I, the bender I'm, though. The bender ran out real bad. Let me say that yeah. the hangover is brutal. Yeah, this is it's not it's tough to you know, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I think I'm actually going to go with Les Snead with the Rams being three and six. He's been the man the that doesn't draft. He's been the look, listen, listen. He's been the general manager for 10 years. He has built the Rams up, picked some superstars, acquired some phenomenal players, got himself Sean McVay. They took a massive risk on a quarterback with a huge draft trade, and it paid off. They won a Super Bowl. I think I'm going to go with Les Snead. Les Snead without Sean McVay doing his evaluations compared to with, though. And I know that's the game. I know that's the game. It is. It's some of the best comedy you'll ever see. But who is who? Who's the who's the worst GM with the good team? Oh, this is the more fun one. I mean, is it Jerry Jones, right? Or what's Jerry's kid's name? Steven. Steven. Jones. That's a tough one because Will McClay does their drafts and he's good. He's really good, but he's not the GM. So you're right. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't hate. I feel like I don't hate Dallas's drafts over the last couple of years. I really don't. They lucked into Parsons, but they got Parsons. There's some interesting ways to go with this one. Because isn't it funny the perception of Chris Greer now compared to Chris Greer of many years in a row? It is indeed. Chris Greer has been the GM of the Dolphins since 2016. That's a long time. Yeah, that is a long time. And the Dolphins had some really, really bad decisions. I mean, you're you're talking about the Adam Gase era is in there, by the way, folks. Ooh, ooh. But he's also built a Dolphins are a really good team, really good offense. So it's all like the recency bias, like the Mickey Loomis point again, right? Like the, recently is a disaster. But is he a war? Is he the? Is he still a good GM when you look at the full sample? I'm struggling with this one right now. I don't know. I it's funny because I'm, Bill I'm, Belichick. 
I mean, like, well, obviously Belichick's sitting there. They've got a winning record, so kind of uh, to bring the podcast full circle. John Schneider, I don't love some of his draft selections. I know, but, but the recency bias. He absolutely murdered. Just, brother, he 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 home run derbied this past draft. Yeah. So I can't, I, I won't, I will not say his name out of respect. Won't do it. Man. It's Jerry Jones. I'm going with the easy one. Steven. Whatever. Isn't that funny? On. You know who runs the team. Yeah. No, you you're right. Oh, this God. is a good question, though. It's a good question, though. It's it's a great question. All right. We've gone long enough on it. I know I get really off the rails. All right. Here we go. It's hard to play these with my fat thumbs on the phone. <laughs> this just won't play. Here we go. Hey, guys. Uh, my name's Soren. I, uh, I've been listening to the show since back in January. I've been listening to Trevor since he was on. I, I, I messed up. Hold on, everyone. Come on. God, this is... Slack's got to fix this app. Bad fingers out with, here. Uh, ben, with Ben Solak. Um, I mean, you guys do a really great job. Um, I just want to know, what are your tips? If you guys had any... I'm trying to get into the sports analyst, sports journalist game. What are some tips you guys have? Uh, Yeah, you guys do a great job. Let me know. Shout out, Soren. Shout out, Soren. Tip number one, don't Mm. major in journalism. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not kidding, but it's kind of a joke. And I'm not saying don't work in sports. I'm absolutely encouraging you to do that. (laughs) Tip one, pick a different career. (laughs) No, no. Pick a different major. Get off my lawn. You're not coming for my job, baby. No, Mm. just kidding. (laughs) No, no, no. Soren, I, I hope you soar there you go how you like that into the uh sports analyst role but man Uh, i mean i I don't i don't i don't disagree with you that you yeah you don't have to you don't have to uh get a degree in journalism like this is something that i don't um, you absolutely can kind of just pick up if you have a passion to do it um Mm -hmm. i actually was on a podcast recently and and i was kind of asked a similar question and um I like saying this answer because I I hope that it's a good answer for people. I would always ask when I get this asked this question, what do you love doing the most? Okay. Do you love podcasting? Do you love writing? Do you love being on camera? Uh, Do you love doing interviews, like written interviews, uh, audio interviews, whatever it is? Like, what do you love, long form stuff? What do you love to do the most? Do that. Do that singular thing. And do that a lot. Get really great at it. And the reason why I say that isn't because I don't want you to wear a lot of different hats. Connor and I have worn a million different hats. We've been oh, podcasters. Man. We've written. We've been. We've done audio interviews. We've done video interviews. We get to do all of those things. But we've gotten to a place where we've been able to do all those things. When people ask us if they're starting off, I want you to do the thing that you love the most. And there's two reasons why. One. You're always going to put your best foot forward if you are doing the thing that you want to do the most. You're always going to be challenging yourself naturally to get better at it every single time you do it. And two, when you start podcasting, when you start writing, when you start making mock drafts and rankings or or getting a social presence or whatever it is, you're not going to be doing it to millions and millions of people. Now, you know, millions of people aren't going to be listening to you. Yep. And so you're going to have to get yourself to 
get back out there in front of the mic, in front of the camera, in front of the key- the keyboard, whatever it is, to do it again. Because the only thing that's going to give you better is practice. And what's going to keep you coming back is doing the thing that you love. And so I that that is my that is my there are so many things that go into making it into this business. But when it comes to very first starting out, I would always tell people. Do the thing that you love doing the most. Do, just do that over and over again. Make that what you practice. Make that what you what you do every single week, multiple times a week. And to me, you're always going to put your best foot forward if it's the thing that you enjoy the most because that's going to be the biggest difference in this business. There's only one person that's going to be able to look at things the way that you do. That is how you can be unique in a market and in an industry that is so oversaturated. You will always be the only you that there is. And not to say that you can't learn from other people or emulate other people and and, and do that kinds of stuff, but there's only one you. And the way that you're going to show your originality and your uniqueness is by doing the things that you love to do the most. So that's always my advice to people. It's it's amazing advice and it's spot on and something that um, maybe not for verbatim, but that I relay as well when I speak to students or I've been lucky enough to talk to a couple of college classes and, um, you know, things like that. I always tell people, Exactly what you said. You're always going to be the best at what you love doing because you're doing it out of pure passion rather right. than doing it because you have to. And yep. you and I are, are very fortunate that we now at a, this point of our career, we get to sit on here and I don't I don't really consider this work what we do, but it is work. We, you know, obviously are compensated. We have an audience that we love, but this is a bl- I love doing this. And we'd both be lying if you and I sat here and said that we got to do this the second we graduated college. Right. I remember when I graduated college, I, I was, you know, working down in the city. I was commuting about six hours a day, three hours each way around trip. Most of the time I was building graphics or uploading videos, doing what, you know, would be labeled as grunt work in the media space, researching stats, quality checking things. Um, And I, loved my entry-level role of Bleacher Report, but there's also a lot of it that people didn't see, right? And I knew I needed to be there because I knew it would get me to higher places. And I remember when I moved down closer to the city, even when I would get home at a better hour, what I loved to do was scouting for the draft and talking about the Jets. And I would come home, and this is a much different version of me, where I was I was single and would just literally make dinner, sit dinner, open the laptop, and watch film for an hour or two. And and tweet and write about the draft for free and podcast. Yep. And yep. And I was able to, and same with you, Trevor, was able to turn it into now my full-time career in football. So they go hand in hand, right? You you do certain things in life because you have to, right? Like I, I always look at, and obviously our parents were were much different, uh, the sacrifices they had to make. Like I my dad ironically enough, my dad does have a passion and loves being a firefighter, which is insane. But he also ran to burning buildings in the Bronx because he had to feed me and my sister and my mother. So I can't (laughs) even say the man didn't love it. He did. But I think he'd much rather be in my shoes of talking about the NFL draft full time. So there's things you do because you have to. But those things can also go hand in hand with doing things that you love to do and eventually being the only thing you do. And that advice that you gave, Trevor, is the exact way of how you get there. I also want to make sure that I say this, too. Um, I didn't get a job full time in this industry until four years after I graduated college. I went to one of the best broadcasting programs in the country, the University of Florida. I I thought I did good work when I was at UF on camera, doing radio stuff, doing written stuff. I thought I did really good work. And when I got out of college, 
the only offers I had were to work local news places. And some people come up through the local news way and that's their way to do it. I didn't really want to do that. So those jobs that I had to work for not a lot of money and move far away from home, they didn't really appeal to me. And I was like, you know what? I got to find another way to do this. I don't want to be miserable until I make it, if you will, because that's a, that's a tough life to live when early on in your, in your early and mid twenties. So dude, I worked landscaping full time. I worked a teaching job that I didn't like. I did all sorts of like social Wait, media te- teaching stuff. What? I taught broadcasting at a, at a small, like almost like charter school. That was a, it brother. I'll have to sit down and tell you all. About I feel it, like you'd be happened, a really but... good teacher though. That's why I was intrigued by that. I like actually, students would actually like you're engaging. That's why I actually liked the idea of teaching a lot. The problem was, is that I was 23 and I was teaching yeah. high schoolers. So that that respect that you have to have for a teacher, I didn't naturally have a lot of that because one, I didn't have a beard at the time because I couldn't grow a beard. So I basically looked like one of them. I basically yep. looked like a child. So <laughs> that level of respect just wasn't there. But I did enjoy like the curriculum part, the teaching. We did a lot of hands-on stuff. Uh, we ended up doing the news. I, I was able to get it set up to where the kids did the morning announcements through a, through a Snapchat group. So like the morning announcements went throughout the school, like on social media, instead of, you know, like on a TV that nobody would watch. Anyways, now I'm going on a tangent, but that's awesome. I worked a bunch of jobs that I really did not enjoy, did not see a career in for about three or four years. Meanwhile, on the side, you know what I was doing, what I love to do. I That's was right. writing mock drafts. I was writing, covering the bucks. And I ended up getting my first gig at Pewter Report because of that, because of the things that I was writing on the side. I eventually got a job working at SB Nation just as a very, very part-time person covering the bucks. And uh, my now former and then future boss, Scott Reynolds, found my stuff. And he's like, I like your stuff. Come work for me. And like that is how I broke into the business by doing what I loved to do the most in my free time because I knew that that was what was going to allow me to put my best foot forward. And when I got to shake that hand for the first time that was going to maybe have a job for me one day, I knew I was going to have good work out there already because it was the stuff I was the most passionate about. So just want to That's all that. it takes. I, 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 that's an, an awesome story. And you're right. I, I think people sometimes probably forget that we are in our thirties, you and I, because we do look, we do look young, thank God. But also the fact that we didn't, graduate college and just show up on camera no, like i no. i started at bleacher report in the summer of 2014 i think the first time i was ever on camera for them was maybe 2017 i would actually lean 2018 in a very like you know li- very not a consistent capacity like a fill-in and the first draft i ever did on air was day three of 2018's class and the first full-time draft I did was 2019. 2019. That's five years after I graduated college, which is, I'm very proud of that. But like you said, you don't walk out and and just walk into these things. Yeah, Um, It's a long, I always warn people and I try not to be a pessimist because I like everybody's joy and I do believe in, in people chasing their dreams more than anything. I always say though, you don't see the part that's not glamorous. You of don't course. see them. Right. And um, it's all worth it, though. I can't emphasize that enough. Whatever 100%. you have to do is all worth it. N- not only is the job worth it, but, you know, if you. I- I'll say this as and this and this is the last thing we can move on. But if you're a good person to people, you will also love the people you meet along the way. 
the people that have the small jobs for you, the people that have the full-time jobs for you, the people that you work with, like you mentioned, you, you don't often see the behind the scenes and the climb of what it's like to get there. But I promise you that like with every step of the ladder, even maybe you might be working a job that you don't exactly love. If you're a good person about it, you're still going to gravitate towards the people that you love and you'll meet a lot of great, great people. And that'll make the, uh, as the time goes by before you really crack into the industry, it'll make it a lot better too. So it's a great point. It is about the people. All right. What do you say? You want to do uh we'll do one more, one more. Let's okay. Do, yeah. Let's do one more. I think we'll we're over an hour at this point, okay. but What's going on, guys? It's Joe up in Vancouver, Washington. I want to talk about pumping the brakes on Dan Quinn as a potential head coaching candidate. I get it that everybody loves him and everybody wants to fight for him. I also get that his defense in Dallas is really good. But I think we need to question what he's learning from Coach McCarthy, and I think we need to look back at what happened in Atlanta. The offense was perfectly fine. The offense was going. I get it. Shanahan left, and that put them in a bind. But let's not forget who they let leave the building, two current NFL head coaches, <clears throat> for Steve Sarkeesian. Sark wasn't bad. I think he ended up being the scapegoat. But then they ended up going back to Dirk Cutter, and I think that just showed they didn't understand why that offense worked the way it did. On top of that, that defense was terrible. They spent three times as many day one and day two picks on defensive players as offensive players, and that defense was still terrible. Let's not forget they passed on T.J. Watt for Tack McKinley, and they gave Vic Beasley his fifth-year option when they could have drafted Brian Burns. And then once Beasley, spoiler alert, sucked, they had to sign Fowler for $18 million. I don't know if I want my head coach making moves like that again. Curious to hear what you guys think about that. What do we think, Connor? Dan Quinn is a – Head coach, you uh, you hesitant on it? I feel like I've been a little bit more bullish on Dan Quinn than you have, as we've kind of yeah. gone through these these head yeah. coaching cycles. But what do you think I, about him? I was a little surprised how in demand he was last year. Like he he was like kind of the bell of the ball. I know, uh, but he's a good coach. He, you know what it is with Dan Quinn. My take on Dan Quinn is a little bit of how kind of i look at him in a similar mold of how rex ryan's head coaching career went where they come in Mm -hmm. they are probably every player in that organization's favorite coach they'll ever have right they love them they are that's your guy he will he will die for you he will battle in an alley for you for you whatever you need that's a huge win right away and ignites life into an organization that if they're hiring a new coach they probably need it Two, the man knows how to coach defense, and nobody can ever take that away from him. You can see the parallels with Rex. All right. Three is the the beginning of the plot holes, which were mentioned there in a very uh, concise, eloquent manner, in a sense that personnel, a weakness, a big weakness. And when you start to have to make decisions for not the roster you necessarily walked into, but how you're going to do the next stage of your career in that organization, do you have the right GM to tell you what not to do. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge thing you have to have infrastructure-wise if you're hiring Dan Quinn. Um, and then, you know, of course, for having the right offensive staff, which is something that Rex definitely struggled with at times when they yeah. lost certain guys, and Dan struggled with with Kyle uh, leaving. So if you have the answers to three and four, one and two are qualities that make Dan Quinn a very high-profile coaching candidate. Right. But if you don't have the answers to three and four, 
you're kind of chasing lightning in a bottle and not a sustainable model. No, certainly. You know, I think head coaches get a lot of praise and a lot of blame for for things that are sometimes just out of their control. Now, they are the managers, right? They're the ones who hire the people into these spots, but they're not the ones that are necessarily making the decisions. Now, I, I kind of liken this a little bit in what you said. It reminds me of, of Will Muschamp when he was at the University of Florida, which is a tenure that I know very well. Will Muschamp, one of the best defensive minds in all of college football. I thought he would have made a really great head coach, but he couldn't figure out offense coordinator. He couldn't do that at, at South Carolina either when he had another chance to be a head coach in the SEC. And that's just ended up being his downfall. Now, I, I don't think that we're there with Dan Quinn. Again, like your network also means a lot, right? And I think that Dan Quinn's got a, a big network. Like, I think he's got a big network of coaches. I think he's a great guy. Everybody loves to play for him, like you said. Um, I, I I think he could be able to – I think he could figure it out. I really do. I, and so, yes, of course, those are concerns. I think those are concerns with any coach, though. And there are so many qualities of coaching and former success and how him and Thomas Dimitrov worked so well to build that air, that Atlanta Falcons roster to be Super Bowl caliber. I mean, you got to remember, like, ain't nobody the New England Patriots, right? I mean, like, the winning windows are small. Dan Quinn and the – staff and the team that he built with Thomas Dimitrov should have won that Super Bowl. Now, were they disappointing the next two years after that, especially after they lost Kyle? Yes, they were. There's no doubt about it. They couldn't recover. They got out of the gate really slow. But something I keep going back to is even those years that Dan Quinn's team struggled, when they struggled through the first half of the season, nobody on that team gave up. Nobody. And the Falcons came roaring back in both of those seasons to have decent records. I think they were seven and nine both of those years, but they were abysmal to start those seasons, I believe. And those those players never, ever gave up on Dan Quinn because that's the kind of head coach that he is. And so I have faith that that some of those other things will, will fall into place because you just don't find many coaches that have that have on their resume that they really were Super Bowl caliber in what they built, who they were as coaches, who they were as people. That is something where I look at so many firings across the NFL with head coaches. So many head coaches that are two years in and then they're gone, three years in and then they're gone. Nobody gets a second contract, all of this. It's because these dudes can't figure it out. And I've got evidence that Dan Quinn knows how to figure it out because he did. They made it to that mountaintop. They didn't win, but... Let's let's all admit it. They probably should have. The team that they put together, the staff that they put together, they got to the mountaintop. Was it disappointing yeah. a little bit after that? Yes. Did he have misses after that? Yes. But there's just not many head coaches in the world that can say they've already got it on their resume, the things that Dan Quinn has. So that's why I understand you can point out the failures and you could be a little less than 100% all in on him. But I'm betting on those coaching qualities, those leadership qualities, and what I've seen from him already. So I still got a lot of faith in Dan Quinn, wherever he's going to be a head coach next. And I'll say right now, in this coaching cycle, he is going to be one of the best candidates. It's yeah, just, I, yeah, I agree. It's just not an overwhelmingly uh, powerhouse coaching cycle. And, and Dan Quinn is beyond qualified. That is never going to be the question. I just, I think I look at it where I want Dan Quinn to go to the right spot. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to see what that spot will look like um, when it exists. I mean, you know what would be interesting, Trev? I'll throw one out here before we wrap. Yep. What about Arizona? Rebuild that defense. You mm. have your quarterback that's going to be there for a interesting. while. Interesting. Interesting. Something Very about. interesting. So 
Hey, Thomas Dimitrov's also available. Just bring Thomas Dimitrov back. He could be the GM. Dan Quinn could be the head coach. He could run it back, except he got Kyler at QB. Did I see him? I feel like he's building something. He's yeah, running. that was where um, it was the 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 analytics company that uh, right? Eric, e- Eric Eager's working for now. Yeah, oh, he's working with that's where, okay, okay, yeah. that's where he went. I knew it was yeah, yeah. It was they're something. building they're building some sort of analytics company. I'm 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 bad. I can't explain it right off the right at the top, but uh, yeah, something. Top five interview I've ever done in my life, Thomas Dimitrov. Thomas Dimitrov? Oh, my God, yeah. what a character. Oh, hell yeah. Good Lord. You can see how he lasted so long in the GM spot. It's impossible to dislike that guy. All right. Well, so. that's, yeah, that's that's how you stick around a long time in the business, and that's how even after you're gone, people are still going to keep bringing you up like we just did on this podcast. All right. Appreciate everybody sending in their voicemails. There were a handful more that, that we wanted to get to. I but know. Just- Y'all ask too good of questions. We babble. We babble. It's we great. We do. We, we do. We but... really love doing If you haven't figured it out, if you're listening, we really love doing this show. We yeah. don't have to record for an hour and 20 minutes every show. We just like doing yeah, it. Yeah, right. We do. Yeah, I think, the, I think the target time was like 45 minutes, and we're like, nah, all right. We're just going to take happening. a little bit further. No, y'all, y'all are fantastic. You sent some fantastic questions in. Hopefully, you enjoyed the conversations. As always, we'd love to hear from you guys as well, whether it was these questions or more. Please comment on the YouTube channel. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, Connor, at Connor J. Rogers, at Tampa Bay Trey. We would love to hear from you on whatever question it was. QB landing spots, head coaches, what Thanksgiving food you love the most. If you love Thanksgiving or Fourth of July food better, I mean, whatever question it was, just let us know your answers. It is a uh, it is a full fan show here on this Thursday, and this is something that we've got to do a lot more of. Connor and I are going to be back with you. It's a little bit of a shortened week on uh, for for Thanksgiving. We're only going to have two shows instead of three enjoy the holidays just like we know that you guys are going to enjoy the holidays but we are going to make sure we give you two jam-packed episodes starting of course with what matters most coming up on monday after what we watch on sunday week 11 in the nfl i am trevor sycama that is connor rogers thank you guys so much for listening to the nfl stock exchange podcast we'll see you guys next time 